When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Que sera, sera. Hello and welcome to You Are Going to Be Fantastic. I'm Ann Foster. I'm Jenny Ryan. And this is our new episode. I don't know what number they are anymore. 750! So I can't believe we've done 750 <laughs> episodes just in these last couple of months. I know. It's we've been, been just, just back to back. No sleep. Intent. I can't believe there's that many people in Saskatoon that we know. Yep. Yet at the same time, I'm not surprised. No. This is a part of the show where we do banter. Banter! Um, did you have a topic? I wanted to tell you about a funny thing that happened to me yesterday. Okay. Um, I was at an event last night. I was at a bar to watch some music and uh, I only brought $5 so I would only buy one drink. And I only had, my plan was I would drink one drink and then I would be able to go home sober at a relatively early hour. And then this, this girl that I'm starting to be friends with, her name is Andy. Hi, Andy. Uh, Andy was like, oh. Can I just say like shout out to, to girls with boy names? Yeah. They're cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what her real name is because we don't know each other that well. So That's I'm like gonna... Dawson's Creek name. Yeah. Joey. Yeah. yeah. Andy. So Andy, um, Andy was like, oh, do you, you, I'm going to go get a drink. Do you, do you, are you going to get a drink? And I said, I don't have any more money. And then she said, well, I'll buy you a drink. And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, that's so nice. And I want to be friends with you. And also, I also want another drink, but I don't have any more cash. So Andy took me to the bar and I let her pick me a drink and, um, and so she bought me this beer and I drank the beer and then I couldn't leave because I was too intoxicated to drive my vehicle and I didn't want to wait around for a cab. So I ended up staying out until uh, like 1.30 in the morning. Until you sobered up? Until I sobered up enough to drive home. Um, so I think Andy was trying to be kind, but I also think she just wanted me to stay mm-hmm. uh, and be responsible. So I ended up having to stay until I was... Like staying until 1 a.m. feels like not your regular style. No, it was very late. For me, as someone who now wakes at six with a child. And like does your Pilates. And, and Yeah, well, yes, that's true. I do attempt that as well. Whereas anyway. I, I took the last week off as a staycation. Mm-hmm. And several days I slept in until 2 p.m. Are you serious? Yeah. <gasps> I'm really good at sleeping. What does that feel like? It feels amazing. I bet. It feels great. Wow. Do I you used have... to feel guilty about sleeping in that late, and now I do not. But do you compensate by staying up later at night? No. Like, do you just shift all? Oh, you still go to bed at, like... Yeah, at, like, midnight. Oh, wow. I mean, it's weird because the days are getting shorter, so I would, like, you know, get up at 2, mm-hmm. you know, eat some stuff, be like, okay, I'm going to go run my errands now. And by the time I'm done my errands, I'm like, oh, now it's dark again. It's like, well, okay, I'll just sit on my sofa and watch TV. So you're naturally hibernating. You're like a bear. I could sleep 24 hours in a row, and I could. And I would happily do that. I don't understand people. I put a poll up on Facebook because of this where I was like, and this is my usual thing, like on the weekend, like on a good weekend, I'll sleep until noon, 1, 2 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and then I, I get my sleep all balanced out again. Anyway, um, so I put it on Facebook because I know other people are like, oh my God, I slept in until 8 a.m. And yeah. I'm just like, well, what's that? Like crazy people. So it's like, what is a normal time to sleep in until? Mm-hmm. And I said 8 a.m., 10 a.m., noon or 2 p.m. Okay. Nobody voted for noon. Really? The winner was 10 a.m. People oh. thought that was like the latest they could ever Those sleep in. Those are parents. And I can't believe that many people voted for 8 a.m. That's not sleeping in, people. Th- to some people it is, Unless I guess. maybe you have a baby. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so I am really good at sleep. Well, this is a good segue because sleeping until 8 a.m., I believe, is legitimate sleeping in time for today's guest. Yes, today's guest has works hours that not most people work. Yeah, he who works. are adults with full-time jobs. Yeah, so uh, let's just uh, let's, introduce... Let's welcome our, our guest. Yeah, so our guest today is uh, my friend and neighbor, John Thromberg, who uh, is here today with us. John, tell us what your job is. Uh, I'm... Uh producer a chase producer with uh morning show on uh, ctv in saskatoon so sorry first i'll just ask what's a chase producer and why is it called a chase producer uh chase producer uh basically chases down stories chases down uh interview guests uh for the morning show uh there's a lot of other stuff i do as well but that's the 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 main thrust of the the chasing i guess okay and so what hours do you work uh 
typically I'm at work by 5 a.m. Depending on how many other people are coming to work on a given day, I might go in earlier at, say, 4 or something. So. And then you're done by when? Uh, well, one or two or. Do you go home and or... nap? Uh, it, it's funny because everyone that works on the morning show is obsessed with sleep. I bet. Uh, and is always uh, asking, you know, like, well, what do you do? Do you do you nap? Do you, uh, you know, do you do you just go to bed really early? And the answer is maybe. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I nap. Uh, most of the time, I don't. Uh, uh, I'm just really useless after 7 p.m. So, so well, I mean, the, the topic of our show is, you know, how, what are you doing and how did you get there and how do you feel about it? But I have more questions for you before you dive into that <laughs> because I'm fascinated. Why do you need to be there during the show if your job is chasing down stories? Uh, well, because I have many other aspects to my job uh, besides chasing down stories. Ideally... I wouldn't be there for the whole show. I imagine we'll get into this later on, but um, I have to put together uh, some of the newscasts. Uh, there's there's certain elements uh, that uh, that I have to dig up and find. The, the anchors put together the first two hours of newscasts. Uh, again, depending on who is there on a given day, I might. Uh, put together the last newscast. I also put together the, the little news ticker thing that scrolls across the bottom of the screen. Really? Uh, so I have to write all of that. The stuff that goes across the bottom of the screen? Yes. Do you ever would put you, in secret messages? Would you? No. Would you ever put in, say, like someone said, that I want to propose to my girlfriend? Would you ever put in, like, you know, Julie, will you marry me in a ticker? Uh, no one has ever asked me to do that. Oh. I, I'll say I won't do that just in case anyone is ever listening. That would also be a weird way to propose. It'd have to be what like, if you love the news? What if you love the news ticker? What if you like, <laughs> like, what if she like was like drinking her coffee when that part went by? Yeah, that would be amazing. Okay. Well, it, it, it goes by multiple times. So, oh, like okay. it just keeps going by until I take it So what it if out, she so. said no and then it kept going by and it was just like, no, no, the update is like, update, Julie said no. <laughs> and then it comes up again. Like, Brad is unconsolable. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so John, um, did you... So this basically sounds like you're a Chase producer, but you're also like a TV producer. Like you produce the show in a way um, at various aspects. So I would say you're like, is this something... Because that sounds like something people want to do when they're little. They're like, I want to be in the news. So when you were 18 and you were looking at your life trajectory and you had a plan for your... What did you envision yourself working in uh, like television news or news at all? Journalism, that kind of thing. First of all, I think it's interesting that you think 18 is little. Uh, well, <laughs> um, uh, although I was much littler when I was 18. Um, no. No, I did not think I would be doing this when I was 18. Okay. Were you in the AV club in high school? Uh, we didn't. I went to a very small high school. Uh, it was a, a rural school, kindergarten to grade 12. There was, I think, 140 people in the entire school. I had nine people in my graduating class. What what town was this? Uh, Mossbank, which is uh, about halfway between Moose Jonas and Aboya. Okay. So what were... Well, Jenny made an assumption, which is that you had a plan when you were 18. Did you have a plan when you are graduating uh, for what you were going to do? Not yeah. everyone does. No, I, I, my plan was I was going to spend a year at uh, the U of S., uh, and then transfer to Queen's University and uh, study artificial intelligence systems. Ooh. So why didn't you want to go to Queen's right away? Uh, because I grew up outside of a small town. Uh, and, you know, in the big city for me was Moose Jaw. Uh, I kind of wanted to ease into... Mm. Like acclimate yourself to... Yeah, like acclimate myself to... City to, to Yeah, to, to city life and... And uh, I thought that Sask, you know, I, I just thought jumping straight into uh, Queens might be uh, a bit much, even though Kingston really, I think, might actually be the same size as Sask. Yeah, it's funny because I'm, I'm from southern Ontario, so the idea that Kingston is a big place is kind of hilarious. But, but it, anyway. But it was also, it was reasonably far away no from my family. Right? Sure. So. Yeah, you want to be close by. And you wanted to study artificial intelligence. Yes. 
So my sister does artificial intelligence. Cool. So I know about it a bit. A very slight bit. <laughs> so at the time, that so this is a while ago. So at that point, it was what, about 20 years ago, yeah. what did artificial intelligence look like? Was that uh, just like a computer? Was this like robots? Uh, no, it was. It certainly wasn't robots uh, at the time. Uh, Where did Will it, Smith fit into all of this? Yes. <laughs> Will Smith uh, had not yet been invented. Um, <laughs> actually, no, I think he... I'm sure he was I think he was still a rapper prince. at that point. Yeah. He might have been fresh. He might have been transitioning. He was just a fresh prince, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah well, it was in 19... Uh, when did I graduate school? 92? Was this pre or post yeah. six degrees of separation? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was pre. Um, I... Uh, I have completely lost my train of thought. Okay, actually. so are, are you thinking <laughs> about like yeah. HAL 2001, like a computer that's like, how are you doing today, John? Like that sort of thing? Yeah, no, the, the idea was is that uh, the program at Queen's uh, was a combination of uh, basically programming, which was something that I was intensely interested in and very interested in computers uh, when I graduated uh, from high school, uh, and, uh, and psychology. Oh. Uh, specifically neural psychology so it was the idea was to uh, develop uh, both hardware and software that could uh, connect uh, in neural pathways essentially how does a kid from moss bank find out about a special program at queen how does a kid from moss bank learn about computer programming uh well, we had computers. <laughs> I don't it wasn't know. that small of a school. Uh, <laughs> I've imagined like, like a one-room schoolhouse with like a slates, lady in a, a, lady yeah. in a bonnet teaching, and you ride your horses. Yeah, no, no, there was there was multiple rooms. Okay, uh, there was there was actually we had a computer room full of computers oh, okay. that uh, mm-hmm. that I knew how to use and uh, uh, better than any of the teachers in the school, and uh, subsequently. Um, would use to get out of class anytime I wanted. Uh, but I guess uh, I'm just thinking like 1990. Well, you graduated 92, you said. Yes. So that's sort of the, that was before having a home computer was commonplace. Like people knowing about computers wasn't as everywhere as it is now. So yeah. this was something that you sought out on your own and developed these skills. Yeah, like uh, people uh, in the late 80s early 90s certainly had computers and it wasn't that weird it was kind of like um not everyone had a dvd player Mm -hmm. either right well especially in the early 90s not everyone had a dvd player um uh, and they don't anymore either yeah well yeah (laughs) uh we've all switched to laser discs um it it's uh Certainly, like there was, you know, the Commodore sixty four and the Vic twenty before that, and and we had a, a IBM PC at home, and uh, that my uncle had uh, had assembled for us, uh, and uh, you know we used uh, the Apple two computers at uh, at uh, school, uh, which was in the eighties. For some reason, Apple had decided to to build both Macs and Apple computers and. They weren't compatible with each other at all. Oh. Um, and which is one of the reasons why the company started going downhill until Steve Jobs left and then Steve Jobs came back and saved everyone. So she didn't, we should have interviewed Steve Jobs. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so your uncle assembled a computer. Yes. Yeah. Was, so was he the person who introduced you to computing? No, no it was, it was uh, I, uh, through, uh, through school and through the library. Uh, I read an insane amount uh, in high school. I wasn't very social at all. Uh, so I Well, with nine people to pick from, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the other thing was, because I, I grew up on a farm, so we didn't, I didn't even really hang out with, uh, have the opportunity to hang out with a lot of my classmates after school because I got on the bus and I went home right. and did chores and then sat around and watched uh, my two channels of television plus French CBC. Uh, when you don't speak French, is not very useful to you, so. Okay, so how did you find out about the program in Queens? Like, to me, I'm still, like, was this a guidance counselor took you aside uh, and said, John, I see something in you? Because this is pre-internet. You weren't Google. Pre-World Wide Web. No. No, there was, you could, you, it was, uh, you dialed into it, and it was really, really slow, and your computer screamed over the phone at another computer. 
um, but yeah, it was it was certainly not. Uh, there was no Google, uh, but um, uh, it. I can't remember. Uh, it it must have been a, a counselor, but it would also would have been something that I would have sought out. I definitely went uh, seeking for the best school that I thought right. I could get into, uh, and although I was very uh, smart uh, in high school, I knew already that I wasn't smart or rich enough to to you know pursue like Harvard or you know something yeah, right. like that. So it was it was I was limited to looking for the the best situation I could put myself. Can I sorry just um. You're wearing a Star Wars shirt right now. Yes. I'm, I'm wearing a Star Trek shirt, you know. But I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, up all night. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's representative of all of our life philosophies. <laughs> yes. But I'm just wondering, so I'm presuming you have been a longtime fan of science fiction fantasy sort oh, of yes. stuff? Oh, yes, yeah. Yep. So it, was that, did that... Was that part of the reason you were attracted to computers and AI and stuff? Because of, you know, Isaac Asimov and... Uh, yeah, although... It took me a while to get into really into Isaac Asimov. Uh, I don't think I really got into him. I'd read a lot of his pieces uh, before I graduated high school, but it was probably university or even after my first stint at university that I got into Asimov. Um, I think I was more interested in a lot of the the kind of the pop uh, sci-fi, like you know, something like Star Wars or Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, um, uh, I was a huge Tolkien fan. Mm-hmm. So. so, okay, you get to, so your plan is you're going to go to the U of S and you're going to study for a year. So you did that. But you did you ever get to Queens? No. Uh, well, sorry, I, I made it to Queens. Uh, and actually, this is probably how I knew about Queens. Uh, before I graduated from high school, I went on a... a not an exchange, but uh, this, it was called Global Vision. Uh, and it was a program put together uh, by the Mulroney government uh, to collect uh, high school students, uh, the best and brightest uh, students from across Canada, and send them off to, uh, to Queens and Carleton to study economics for uh, two or three weeks. And then we got to go to Europe. Why was I never invited? For, uh, Best of the brightest Jenny. Hmm. Well, also, <laughs> only lasted. I think it lasted two years. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I had already been to to Queens, and I'm one of, I believe, two people to graduate with a grade thirteen economics credit uh, in uh, 1992 <laughs> <laughs> in in Saskatchewan, because um, in Ontario you have grade thirteen. So you so had I don't know if, to, well, you, you had. It was to, called Ontario. Well, when I was in high school, it was called the Ontario Academic Credit. And it oh. wasn't grade thirteen, but anyway. Okay. Um, so you had an oh, you had an Ontario Academic Credit in economics, possibly. Yes. So, um, so you you'd seen Queens, uh, you'd seen the university, you knew about the program. Um, so you did your first year at the University of Saskatchewan. Did you then transfer? No. So no. what happened? Uh, oh Father Ed Height, Father Ed Height. It's all his fault. Okay. Um, I, when I came to the University of Saskatchewan, I figured, oh, well, you know, I'm in a small town, small city university, but I should pick something that's a bit smaller. So I enrolled at St. Thomas More College, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Catholic college. Uh, Were you Catholic? At, I'm not Catholic. Okay. Um, but you don't have to be a Catholic to enroll at STM. Uh, and... I'm not even really entirely certain because, uh, like, when you go to STM, uh, you can enroll in any university class, and any university student can also enroll in any STM class. So it was just kind of a smaller community to put myself into. And uh, uh, my first week of university, when they had all the, the tables set up in the tunnel, I signed up for everything I could. Um, so the table set up in the tunnels, that was just like all the clubs? And yeah, yeah, all the, all the I, I assume they still do this uh, or have something similar where they, they have like club week uh, in, the, in the tunnel where like the model UN, the, you know, the various choirs, or the, the student associations, uh, you can sign up for, for all of these uh, associations to make yourself feel part of another community at the university. 
um, which is apparently very important for uh, uh, people coming out of high school. They want to, I guess, join another clique maybe or something. Or just have like a built-in social Yeah, network. so um, I joined uh, Newman Players, which at the time was headed up uh, by Father Ed Height at uh, St. Thomas More College. This was a theater group? Yes. Uh, it's uh, Newman Players uh, continues to exist, um, and uh, it runs at uh, St. Thomas More. It does amateur theater on campus. Uh, it's not affiliated with the drama department at all. Um, I think at the time I'd done one or two uh, uh, high school plays before that. I'd done like technical things for like run the lights. Um, and so I thought it'd be interesting to uh, to run the lights for Newman players. Mm. And uh, I met Father Ed and he basically he changed my life. So. Well, that's wow. a tantalizing beginning of a story. Yeah. He changed your life. Uh, well, because... I came into school very technically oriented uh, and uh, very uh, devoted to this idea that I was going to study computers and artificial intelligence. Um, and uh, I guess it wasn't all his fault. I also discovered I was a very bad student um, <laughs> well, because I works. because I went to the same school from kindergarten to grade 12, where we basically moved every year you moved one classroom closer to the other end of the school. Mm -hmm. um, like a conveyor belt. You yeah, pushed it, was, the other it end. was like, you're yeah. done. Uh, and early on, uh, I'd, I'd established that I was smart. And yeah. uh, and that always played in my favor. Um, a, a sports analogy would be a really good pitcher uh, who is known for really good control often gets the benefit of the doubt. Uh, from the Empire and I got the benefit of the doubt always from uh, uh, all the teachers so the teachers school. the teachers would be like oh this guy he's smart like it was a confirmation bias yeah it's like I yeah. always got oh Jenny she's trouble even if I was trying to be good I there was a confirmation bias well, throughout yeah. my entire education that I was the kid who needed to sit at the you know front next to the teacher's desk because yeah. at some point I was gonna talk so yeah. you were uh, yeah uh, I was a smart, smart kid and, yeah. and there was uh, there was other kids there uh, that uh, you know they were labeled as, as dumb kids or whatever and yeah. and one kid uh, he he got upset with that uh, at some point and or his parents got upset with it and they moved him to Moose Jaw to a different school. And the next year, uh, you know, he went from being like the dumb kid to, uh, I was using quotation marks there, uh, to uh, being like in the top 2% in the province uh, for marks. And he was like the number one army cadet in the province. And he had his own acapella group and a show on the local cable channel and was the star of the musical. And you so. got to the university and discovered you were the dumb kid. Uh, at the very least, I discovered that I wasn't very good at being a student, which right. I think is, is a lot different from being oh, for sure. dumb. Yeah, but you probably um, didn't know. Uh, I didn't know how to study properly. Study. I, I certainly uh, didn't go to class anywhere near the regularity I should have. Mm. Uh, well, and because I was, you know, the smart kid and cocky and, uh, you know, I went and um, took the hard math. Right. Uh, the the one that was like crazy hard. Well, to be and... fair, you had been set up by Mulrooney to be one of the best and brightest. Like, and you've done the OEC economic thing. Like, I feel like you. Well, you, you... well yeah, and like, and I, you know, I had my IQ tested in high school yeah. and stuff like that, and it turned out I was really, really smart, and and you know, kind of all these other kind of things that kind of continued my my confirmation bias, I guess. Right. Um, and. Uh, but I'd never really been challenged academically uh, mm -hmm. until I went to university. And then suddenly I didn't know how to cope with that. Uh, and so I found suddenly, you know, when your mark drops literally 47% uh, from high wow. school to university, I still passed because <laughs> I was really, really good in high school. Um, uh, it kind of pushes, I think, pushes you away from that sort of thing and uh, in uh, in Newman Players and uh, with uh, Father Ed um, I found a kind of uh, I guess a father figure um, that uh, was just really really welcoming and kind of brought me into into theater uh, he had a, a great uh, way 
of involving everyone and and making everyone feel exceptionally welcome. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I started uh, started doing theater. So you transferred, sorry, to the theater department. No. Oh, you just no. Stuck. I, I I stuck with Newman Players, and I I changed my uh, my major in my second year because my first year it was uh, computer science uh, and psychology. Second year moved to psychology. By the time I got to my third year, it was political studies, uh, and then I dropped out. So, but I, I continued to remain involved in Newman Players. You're allowed to be in that even if you're not a student? Yes. Oh. Yeah, you can. Uh, in fact, if you want to join right now, I'm sure they will uh, They will accept you right now. Uh, anyone can act in it. Uh, you know, you, you get cast. Mm -hmm. uh, but if, if you want to volunteer with Newman Players, you can. So if you hadn't found that, it'd be interesting to know what would have happened to you. Because what happened was you were, I, I mean, I'm kind of projecting here on you, but it sounds like what you're saying is like you went out into your academic life and then you struggled and then you weren't as good as you thought. And like you had like a self-esteem probably like, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And what does this mean? But then you go to the new players and you go to Father Ed and suddenly you're, you're embraced and you're loved and you're celebrated. So in one, so if you hadn't found that, and all you had was like this negative that would have been very different i think well like you had a lifeline almost yeah i he gave me a bit of a uh newman players and 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 ed gave me a bit of a, a lifeline uh but it, i i'm i would have found something else i whether it was this path or not um i i almost certainly would not have ended up as uh, as a TV producer uh, <laughs> had it not been for Father Ed. And I might have found uh, gainful employment much sooner in my life had it not been for uh, Father Ed. <gasps> so, so he saved your life, but he also screwed it up. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's uh, that's why I always say I blame Father Ed. And he, uh, okay. he loves that when I, right. when I say I blame him for introducing me to drama. So, right. so what was the connection between, I'm sure there was a lot of stuff in between, but from doing the technical theater stuff to television work, what was your first step into that? Well, so I, I did theater uh, for two or three years and kind of getting more involved. I started off with uh, doing technical stuff and then uh, kind of gradually moved into um, acting a little bit more and, and directing because I think I'm naturally bossy. Um, <laughs> And uh, or at least you know think I know what other people should do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then another uh, friend uh, that I met actually through role playing games. Uh, so proof Dungeons and Dragons can ruin your life. Um, I met a, a guy named uh, Torin who was really good friends with one of my roommates, and he had just. Uh, dropped out of film school uh, in uh, Vancouver and come back and wanted to make uh, a short film. And because I had done a lot of theater and I knew a lot about lighting and a little bit about sound, uh, somehow I say he drafted me, he say I volunteered, uh, but uh, at some point uh, we decided to, uh, to make a short film together. Is that when you dropped out of university? Uh, no, we made the, we made the short film and then, uh, we, uh, ended up, uh, uh, we found a, a program, uh, called, uh, Cooperative Enterprise Development for Youth. I think Torin's mom was somehow involved in setting it up. I can't remember exactly how we found out about it, but, uh, it was basically, you know, so you want to start a small business. Uh, so we both... Torn had enrolled in university, and we both basically decided to drop out and uh, and start our own business. Uh, what a filmmaking business! Yeah, it was not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we started. Uh, uh, we enlisted a, a third uh, third friend uh, to to join us, and uh, we took this uh, program, which uh, uh, basically you got uh, paid, I think, on uh, uh, like through unemployment insurance like it was one of those uh mm -hmm. kinds of programs that you had i know i had to be unemployed for it because i actually had to quit a job to to get into it 
I don't think they'd let you do that now. Um, but at the time, yeah, I, I quit a part-time job to, to be, be unemployed and get into this program. Then they paid you yeah. every couple of weeks to, to basically go to school and uh, learn, uh, learn how to develop a business plan and uh, how to uh, uh, do some basic accounting and, and that sort of stuff and, and come up with this idea to, to start a, a business, which in our case was a film company. Which is always a bad idea. Don't start a film company. Well, especially when, like, how old were you at this point? Like, twenty. Yeah, I was yeah, uh, twenty, twenty-one, something like that. So, if you're like a you know fifty-five-year-old millionaire, sure, start a film company. Well, even then, it's a dumb idea. It's a a great way to flush money down the toilet. (laughs) Well, but I have to say, I think this is very interesting because you were so careful for so long. Like, you were careful about picking your program. Like, you you didn't want to go to Queens right away like you were like nervous about it so you you carefully picked your collect like your electives like you you were so careful and then all of a sudden you're throwing caution to the wind although I guess you figured you had a plan like you've always had like you're never just wandering uh, blindly like you always I guess you always seem to kind of have a vision I used to have a vision yes <laughs> at this uh, point in the story you had yes a at, at this point age in the story 20. at, at yeah. age 20 yeah I, I certainly had uh, had a great idea you know we were uh, about to become the next great uh, filmmakers we had so many better ideas than Quentin Tarantino did uh, that uh, that surely someone would recognize us and that we would uh, uh, ah, hubris. Uh, you know have this hugely successful uh, business that we would uh, we would write uh, screenplays and then uh, uh, we'd They'd be such great screenplays that we'd convince people to give us money to direct them. Yeah. Uh, which is untrue. You do not ever get to do that. I was thinking, though, so this is 90, whatever, 4, 95? Uh, yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. Well, and you mentioned Quentin Tarantino, and this is around the time, Pulse like, he, yeah, he came out of nowhere. He was, like, a guy who famously worked in, like, a video store. Like, independent films seemed more attainable at that time because I think a bunch of them were suddenly being financed. Like Clerks well, and but things. The, like the thing is, is that, uh, yeah, like there, there certainly, there was something like Clerks. Uh, you know, Kevin Smith was uh, making his stamp and he went to the same uh, film school uh, as, uh, as my buddy did. Uh, so, um, you know, that certainly seemed uh, uh, a great idea. Quentin Tarantino loved movies and, and I watched movies relentlessly mm-hmm. uh, when I was in university. Um, and uh, basically, I devoured entire video stores, um, which is where you used to go to get your movies. Now you get them you... from the public library. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, uh, yeah, we, we had that we had this 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 great vision in mind. But the thing is, when you start a film company, uh, in particular, when you start a small film company like that, you have to be prepared to just make money. Uh, and we wanted to jump straight into creative stuff. And right. and uh, the reality is that you can't do that. Uh, you you have to you have to develop your skills first of all. So you have to uh, do a lot of uh, smaller projects where you're, you're making commercials or you're shooting small documentaries or you're doing a, a, you know, a, a safety video for you know, the right. co-op or something. So. Yeah. so why did you not, in all of this, you decided not to do, like you dropped out of university, you didn't transfer to theater ever, even though you liked it, and you didn't try to pursue like a film degree but i suppose it's because your friend had dropped out of his film program so you're like what's the point of yeah well that's 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 it you know this is also right around the time of uh where robert rodriguez was making his uh, kind of uh, stamp on the world uh now he's mostly known for movies like spy kids but when he first started he did el mariachi and 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 then desperado was essentially a remake of el mariachi and el mariachi was uh done for some insanely cheap uh, amount of money uh, and uh, so we thought this was this wonderful idea and, and uh, Robert had this, uh, a philosophy that really stuck with me which was don't go to film school it's a waste of your money mm-hmm. uh, instead make movies and just go and shoot movies uh, and the first five six seven eight are gonna suck there but like learn from your mistakes right so did you guys make a movie uh, we made a, a, a few short films, uh, and uh, which is actually uh, how uh, I met your partner, Jenny. 
uh, is I put an ad in the paper looking for a crew for a short film uh, and uh, and he responded to it uh, and I didn't call him back so he called me again and left me another message and left me his grandma's phone number and then he called and left another message and left his work <laughs> phone number and after a couple of weeks of just leaving me 8,000 messages I, I finally called him back and uh, and uh, we've been friends ever since. <laughs> what was the name of your company? Uh, our company was called ARC Productions. A-R-C or A-R-K? A-R-C. Okay. Um, and our little logo that we had had an electrical arc shooting through it, which was insanely difficult to do in like 1995. Mm -hmm. uh, and we got that title from all three of us uh, had uh, been involved in a Joan of Arc uh, show uh, at Newman Players mm. uh, with uh, I think Father Ed directed it I'm not sure that might have been someone else but uh, yeah that were was, you that still was doing the Newman Players yes you know I, I kept doing Newman Players for like uh, probably a good uh, 12 years or something so what did your parents and your surrogate parents surrogate parent your stand-in father father Ed what did they think about all of this all these parents of yours uh, they were mostly supportive, I think. Uh, I, I don't think my dad even now really appreciates or understands what I do. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, mom just tried to grin and bear it. And, and, uh, cause like, uh, father Ed was never, uh, he never really set out to be a, a father figure to me. I don't think it's just I took a lot of inspiration from him. Right. So, uh, but he was he was often uh, he, he would be as supportive as he could. I would draft him into uh, the various plays or films that uh, that I was doing and, and try to try to make him be involved in them as much as uh, as I could. But uh, uh, yeah, like it, it was it was a, it was a struggle in part because. Uh, when we started a company, and, and this is another thing, when you start a company, have some money. Um, <laughs> don't start a company with like $200 in the bank. That's stupid. Uh, and certainly don't start a company with $200 in the bank that, and you don't have any salespeople or anyone who's particularly good at sale, uh, selling uh, for you. Um, because uh, uh, that was that was largely our downfall. So you made the short film, but yeah, you would have had to get people to go buy it to well, screen like it our, our, the the short the first short film that we made uh, was uh, based on uh, uh, an idea that uh, Torin had, and and, uh, and it was financed out of our own pockets, right? Uh, and it was it was done for super cheap. It was uh, the the sort of film. There was one character in it. Uh, not much happened. All of it took place in in uh, one apartment uh, that you know we borrowed from a friend of mine, and uh, uh, you know when we went and we uh, got you know got a free pizza to to use as a prop in it, and you know that, you know that sort of thing. What was so, the name of it? The film. Uh, Thoughts on the absence of Ella, and literally the 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 plot was: guy wakes up, guy misses girlfriend, guy goes back to bed. Mm -hmm. uh and and it was like six minutes long um and but it was it was a useful exercise for us to to try uh doing something like that i think our next film was one that i wrote that was kind of this homage to uh to action movies and in particular you know the the jean-claude van damme kind of movies uh from the early 90s and late 80s uh where a bunch of people had a brief fight uh, and I was tied to a chair and a beautiful woman kissed me and then she stabbed me. I uh, watched it recently. It's still on YouTube. What's it uh, called? It is called Salvation. Is it okay if we link to it? Uh, yeah, you can certainly link to it. It's uh, Fantastic. My, my hair in it is atrocious. Well, um, it was the mid '90s. Yeah, no, but even then, it was so bad. <laughs> it was your costume, and and the the acting, uh, despite having uh, two of uh, the actors in that go on to one of them to astounding success, and I'm not even going to mention his name because he will uh, 
try to make you take this down if I associate myself with them. Um, uh, Look it up on YouTube, everyone. Yes. Uh, he uh, has, has been in a lot of stuff, but uh, the film, it, it was shot again for like, you know, maybe a hundred dollars or something right. like that. And uh, in, in a garage uh, over the course of a day. So, how long did you do, guys do this for? Like, uh, you had these grand plans. You were going to be fantastic. Well, were, the, uh, the, 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 film, uh, the film company, uh, I think, officially lasted for, like, two or three years. Uh, in practice, uh, our film company, uh, it, uh, it kind of survived as an idea through the year that we were in the corporate cooperative enterprise development for youth program uh and then maybe like six months we did one money making two two money making things uh over the course of the the company and then uh uh one of us just basically dropped out uh and then uh uh my remaining partner bought me out uh, by giving me a computer uh, and uh, uh and we continued to make stuff outside of that but largely um i had at least uh kind of given up on uh, making uh, making films for money and decided that i wanted to eat on a regular basis because you needed to be on unemployment to for the course but then after you finished the course and you were just making films yeah so yeah so like like we we graduated from the course and uh uh and then basically yeah well, well we've got a company so that's that's my job now but the problem was because none of us were any good at going out and selling mm -hmm. you know going and convincing people to to buy videos from us we had one kind of sale that was uh um was an easy get uh, uh basically it was it was uh, uh a video promoting a, a summer camp for the co-op um, and then after that uh, uh, we we kind of survived on that money for a little bit and then you know people decided that they started to need to, to get actual work and and uh, we, did, we determined that we weren't at that point at least uh, very good uh, very good business people so how did that feel like you had this great plan. Like you were such a high, and like, well, how does that feel to your group of friends? It well, it was it was certainly it was it was frustrating, uh, and uh, also because you know we were all guys in our twenties, so it was you know um, convenient for us to kind of I think not necessarily blame the other person, but shift more of the blame onto the, you weren't doing your job. I was you know I was yeah. doing my job kind of thing. Uh, so that that was a little bit frustrating, and that was the first time I quit doing film. Are you still friends with those people? Uh, friendly? Friendly, I guess. Uh, we've had uh, one of one of the guys. Um, both of them are still friends with on Facebook. Uh, one guy I had uh, significant personal issues with uh, a few years ago, uh, and the other one has uh, has moved to Toronto and is is. Uh, working his way uh, through actually developing uh, short uh, creative films on, on the internet. So. Mm -hmm. so the end of that chapter, ARC Productions, you decided you wanted to have money to live off of. And what, what career path did that uh, take So I went and worked for Shakespeare and Saskatchewan. So I went and worked for a theater. Which again, if you want to have money to live off of, there's probably better ways to do it. Correct me if I'm wrong. They only do shows in the summer. They only do shows in the summer. So the rest of the year. Uh, well, basically, uh, because when I left Arc Productions, I was essentially unemployed again. Uh, so I got hired on in another work placement program to work at Shakespeare Saskatchewan, uh, and initially I was hired to do uh, security okay. uh, on the. Uh, on on the the site when after the tent went up like overnight or yeah 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 so yeah I'd, uh there was two of us that were hired for security and i worked the, the graveyard shift um but we had about a month month and a half before we had to go 
from when we were hired before we had to actually go start uh, doing security stuff. So uh, I quickly kind of wormed my way into uh, director of communications at uh, at Shakespeare in Saskatchewan at the same time as I was also doing security, which was weird. That is weird. Um, I think... So we're talking about your like work life. Mm-hmm. So what was happening in your life life? Did you think at some point like I I want to eat, but did you also think like I want to buy a house and I want to have like a wife and a dog and some children and a, and, like, a uh, well yeah I think uh, all, all, all along the the way I had uh, kind of it, it, certainly especially in my early twenties you know that was the the kind of end game seems really weird now uh was to have wife and and uh two children and a dog and this was the vision you had of your life yeah well and and, yeah and and but through a combination of uh of still being kind of socially awkward and not ever having any money uh i didn't have much in the way of of a love life at the time so right uh, a lot of it was just kind of thrown uh, directly into work and, and continuing to watch you know every movie that came out <laughs> good and bad so right okay so at some point you ended up as a tv producer so how does that happen you go from secure oh well, there's a whole pile of steps <laughs> so, <laughs> so like did I, you ever go back to school like did you ever like pick another path or is this uh like- yeah what what happened was is uh I'll kind of speed through the, the rest of it here. Uh, I dropped out of university, uh, took this uh, business program, uh, started a film company, stopped having the film company, worked for Shakespeare Saskatchewan. My time there ran out. I decided to go back and try to back into film. So you haven't given up the film dream. Uh, so, and then after a couple of years of struggling to get by on film and trying to make a movie and watching a zero fall off my paycheck, um, and then uh, getting a job uh, at, a, at a pipe company, just uh, grooving pipes, and uh, uh, which sounds very odd, and was was exceptionally odd. And then uh, sounds like you're in hurting, some... hurting my back there. And then uh, eventually, I one of my former business partners got me uh, a job. At because uh, we we continued trying to make these small films as, right. as we went along, mm-hmm. um, and while I worked at Shakespeare Saskatchewan, uh, I tried making a, a short film uh, that was a horrible disaster because I was working nights uh, and trying to shoot during the day and uh, stayed awake for eleven days in a row, which is um, very bad. Very, very bad. This, this uh, episode is full of, like, good life lessons. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, a lot of don't do this at home. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, when you're awake for, like, 10 or 11 days in a row, you start hallucinating after, like, day oh. two, right? So your movie was full of, like, just oh, yeah. madness. Oh, well, the movie isn't finished yeah. because there's large chunks that I hallucinated <laughs> and thought uh, thought I had shot and, uh, and hadn't. And, and you know, and by the time we were done, you know, half the cast wouldn't speak to me anymore because I'd clearly gone insane. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, and then I like spent like two months being sick afterwards. And my buddy thought this was hilarious. This is like an apocalypse now scenario. Yeah. 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 So he uh, he decided to make a short uh, film about a guy who decides to commit suicide by staying awake. Um, oh. Which, if you stay awake long enough, you will die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you, <laughs> you heard actually, it here, folks. You, you actually need to sleep, and I think it's twelve days. So you almost uh, did and you it. got you, yeah, you I, were I, I, I came really really close to uh, to uh, dying from from staying awake for a, a stupid length of time dying for your art um, but everything comes back to sleep doesn't it yeah it does okay uh, so I, eventually I got a job at the university uh, in the media department and then uh, while I was there I decided to, to, to get enough classes to finish. Uh, my degree. When you work so. for the university, did you get classes for free? Uh, no. How was it? It. I got a credit towards classes. Like I. So the the whole class wasn't free, but I like. I think I ended up paying like fifty dollars for a class. Uh, that now suddenly cost eight hundred dollars, whereas the 
first time around when I took it, it was four hundred dollars. So when you when you did you go back? Did you finish the political studies degree? Uh, no. By that point, I uh, my degree that I have in uh, from the University of Saskatchewan is an English degree with a minor in political studies. So you had this degree. You were working at the university, and then you... then I got laid off. Uh, and uh, I took that that moment to to go back and go. Okay, well, I've got four classes I need to finish, okay. or, or whatever it was, and actually uh, convocated uh, from uh, university. Uh, and my friend who had gotten me the job at the university had already left the university, and he had gotten a job working on this animated TV show called Wapus Bay, and uh, and. He uh, convinced me to come uh, work on that show while I was wrapping up my degree uh, to help edit it. And uh, so I, I worked on that and then I as got... As an editor. As, yeah, I, what was my... I think my exact title was additional editor and assistant editor. Uh, the, the main editor uh, had gotten sick and so I filled in for her for a while. Uh, and then when she came back, I assisted her. Um, which worked out well because I was no longer employed by the university and needed to pay for my classes yeah. somehow. So <laughs> I think it's interesting because you've had all these jobs that are media related or whatever, but you're, that's not your education. Like you never actually did like a, yeah. you didn't. Well, I've, I've taken uh, through the years, I've taken a couple of like weekend courses. Yeah. But I just think <laughs> it's, I just think that's interesting that like your career has not actually matched like your education. Well, again, I guess kind of going with uh, the whole Robert Rodriguez idea yeah. of just go out and do it and yeah. learn how to do it in the real world, which by the time you end up in, in journalism, which is where I am now, it doesn't work so well. Um, and and it's one of the reasons why I'm a chase producer as opposed to, say, a reporter or something like that, uh, because I don't have a journalism degree. Right. I have an English degree with a background in political studies and film. So to apply... I don't know how job applications work in morning television news shows, but it would say like required journalism degree. Yeah, for a lot well, of the yeah, and 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 you can certainly you can apply and not have that. But uh, like when when I got the job at CTV uh, where I work now, I had I'd worked at the university uh, for several years. Then I got a job at was at the university working with CBC as a part-time fill-in, like on vacation, uh, while other camera guys were on vacation as a camera operator and editor there, while I was also editing this uh, animated TV show. Um, so you had the applicable experience. Yeah, I, well, I had I had all the technical experience, and so when I was hired on at uh, CTV, I was initially hired on as uh, as a technical person specifically to do graphics and audio um, and then also do a little bit of camera work as well and then when the the position opened up on the morning show as as a producer I was already in the union which you know a nice little thing yeah. uh, but I was also able to convince uh, the news director at the time that I had the background that uh, that I could uh, take this on it, it helped that I'd had been in the city for 20 years and that I had a, uh, the English degree. So I knew how to write. I, I'd, I'd been in newsrooms at that point for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I had been around everything. I just, I still don't have that, uh, that piece of paper that says, uh, that I have a journalism. Degree. I feel like you're very good at hustling. You don't look like a hustler, but not like a hustling, not like in a, like you're getting one over on people, but you well, like managed to talk yourself into the, into the job of well, Shakespeare and Saskatchewan. So you're good at selling like, yourself, like you, your you, skills. Can, you find your way uh, to um, fit into things, which is yeah, I, I, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's right. Like the, the first, uh, the first movie, uh, that I ever worked on, uh, was called Crisis, and it was uh, it came out uh, actually about uh, twenty years ago, um, next month from when we're recording this, um, and uh, uh, initially I was because I was working with another uh, film producer, mostly just volunteering, uh, and he was going to be the executive producer on it, and he asked me to produce it, which I thought was insane, because at this point I was twenty three and I'd never you know I. 
you know, helped work on a short film. Mm-hmm. Done stills for another short film kind of thing and, and helped produce uh, two little mini documentaries. Um, and so I was totally not qualified for it. Uh, and my job over the the six months that I worked on the on the movie changed considerably uh, right up to I lost my uh, I went from producer to co-producer uh, and then lost co-producer and was desperate to because at this point I hadn't received a paycheck from the movie yet because I'd been working on spec uh, again that whole eating thing um, I was desperate to get uh, to get a paycheck and so it's like oh yeah no I can totally be the best boy which is best boy is in the lighting department is kind of second in charge of the lighting department um best boy electric is second in charge of the lighting department I've seen and, that in the credits of every movie I've ever watched and I've never known what that meant thank you okay. so yeah it's uh the gaffer is the one who is in charge of lighting uh the lighting department and best boy electric is the second in command and so uh they asked me if I knew how to tie into the mains to uh, to power lights and I said yes then um, <laughs> there was no YouTube to consult there's no YouTube to consult and, uh, and it's also insanely dangerous because you have to be a qualified electrician to do it and I wasn't but they didn't check uh, <laughs> and uh, and then I, I didn't ever have to actually do that on the shoot which is good because I'd probably just be dead um, and the movie wouldn't have finished because it would have burnt down or something. Um, so yeah, no, I've I've had to, to hustle to, to convince people that I can I can do things. Uh, and then usually I'm I'm fairly successful at actually following through after I've convinced someone that I can do it. But right. I have a question because you asked earlier about like the personal aspects of your life, like I know from being at the same parties you're at, did you have a partner? Yes. So where in your, like, what we've talked about, did that, did you meet her? Uh, I met her uh, when I was wrapping up my degree and working at CBC and working at Wapus Bay. I, I still, that first year that we dated, I have no idea how we actually had time to, to date because I, I know my schedule and I don't know where we ever fit a date in. Uh, but yeah, we dated for about a year and then, uh, apparently she liked me enough that I'd got mad at, uh, at the film industry once again, um, which happens sporadically throughout my career. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I, this, at this point I was mad enough that I decided to leave the country and I went to Korea for a year to go teach English. Uh, at the time the the plan actually was to go to Korea for four years and then go to Japan for four years and then maybe consider coming back then and and uh, she followed me there wow uh, and then we came back after a year because um, it was hot and we were sweaty and we didn't really like it <laughs> um, but it was it was a fantastic experience yeah uh, and uh, and then yeah uh, eventually we did get married so yeah and now you're my neighbor. Yes. <laughs> yes. And actually, uh, when uh, when I was off in Korea, apparently that's uh, when you met my friend. Yes. So. Um, and so you guys own a house now. Like you were, you so that kind of happened. Like you you have a job. Like you found yeah. yourself a stable job. Yeah. Well, and and because one of the things is that like one of the the really wonderful things about uh, working in the film business. Uh, is is that there is some immense money to be made there. It's just, it's often sporadic. Uh, and when I landed uh, the job, uh, when I came back from uh, Korea, I, you know, delivered pizzas for like three months I or something. I remember like that. that. Uh, and, uh, and then decided I needed a more, you know, adult type job. And uh, uh, Wapus Bay uh, was launching a new season. They asked me to come back. Uh, and my friend who had uh, got me started in film and then got me the job at uh, at the university and then got me my first job at Wapus uh, was leaving Wapus. And so he hired me on as his assistant with the idea that I would take over from him after he left. Uh, and so I went and uh, uh, 
went back there and 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 it paid uh, really well. And plus, I, I started working uh, once CBC realized I was back in the country. Uh, they started uh, calling me up again and and get me to come in and fill in with them. So all of my time was was uh, packed full of work. Not many holidays uh, in there, but uh, you know, able to make enough money that uh, that buying a house. Uh, especially with interest rates as low as they, well as they continue to be, uh, seems like actually a half decent idea. So, mm-hmm. so we generally, as a final question for all of our interviews, we like to ask. So we we asked what you were doing when you were seventeen, eighteen years old, just leaving high school. Your whole plan then, but if you cast yourself further back when you were like four or five years old, do you remember like when you were when you were a little kid, when it legitimately little what did you want to be when you grew up i have no idea were you uh, watching a lot of well like because um probably a scientist of some sort would and just like generic scientist yeah not not like biologist or something like that or uh or, or physicist or just scientist yeah uh because uh you know all the way through school, I was I was the nerdy little kid with glasses who, who would uh, sit during recess and 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 read books, constantly. So, probably uh, like it certainly wasn't really like firefighter or cowboy or you know something like yeah. that. It was it something be... more like intellectual. Yeah. Do you regret that you didn't do the AI stuff? No, no. I, I pretty much all the way through my career, I've I like. I know you, you said that uh, it seemed like I had a plan. I I had a plan, and my plan never worked. Right. Uh, and and so I've I've reached the point in my life where I'm fine with not having a plan anymore. Okay. That uh, my next opportunity will come, and it will be fantastic. That's such a good way to be. That's I love I love your story, the twists and turns. It got pretty dire, the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the eleven day stretch. Yeah, no, that was that was that was a rough chunk of time. But I, I'm happy that that you're happy with how it all is, and that there you're open to the future. Like you're not saying yeah. I'm going to hustle for well, my next big film or whatever. Like you're well, because like, like the thing is that, that I really like what I do now. I I really enjoy uh, working on a morning show, trying to find uh, interesting people to talk to every day, uh, and uh, telling the stories of the community. Uh, and kind of being a journalist, but I don't have to, you know, I'm not, I get to tell the news, but I get to tell, often I get to tell a, a lighter side of the news or a more interesting side or more personal side right. of the news. Um, and plus, you know, I got to meet, you know, like three of the kids in the hall, uh, you know, you know, I get to actually, you know, meet lots and lots of interesting people and lots of celebrities and, um, it's just the hours suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we go, I want you to tell Anne where you got married and who married you. Um, well, I don't remember who married me, uh, but it, it came as a bit of a surprise to my wife that I had even bothered proposing because she was fine with just living in sin with two dogs and, and that was good. Uh, but uh, uh, because we both kind of thought it was it was silly, uh, and uh, that uh, uh, we also wanted to have it small, so we got married in Vegas mm-hmm. uh, at the exact same chapel as Bon Jovi's second wedding, and that they used to shoot uh, Bride of Chucky, uh, <laughs> and uh, and Elvis was there. Was uh, Elvis officiating? Elvis was not okay, officiating. Okay, because that's my dream. Yeah, no. We, it, we had a, a very spectacular Elvis. We had, I don't know if he still is, but uh, uh, at the time, there's a, a Legends of Vegas show that has like kind of the top impersonators of you know Sinatra and, and uh, Cher and Elvis and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, and he was the Elvis there. And so he so, was like the best Elvis. Yeah. And, uh, he serenaded which, everyone. Which, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we opted for the, the expensive package with four songs 
and a video. <laughs> and, uh, why do you think, and this is totally off topic now, why do you think, because um, sometimes Elvis's officiate, why do you think that particular chapel, is it because it like almost makes well, it more it, legitimate? Because you're right, you had like a real person. Well, like the, the, the thing is that you have to have, uh, have to be like a, a, a pastor or preacher or whatever, or, you know, be, you be, be licensed. Couldn't he just be ordained? Or, or ordained. And, well, maybe and, this guy, like, and, his thing was he was an Elvis, and he, and he didn't want to sully that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, like, I just, and maybe maybe he does now. But, yeah, we had, uh, I couldn't even tell you what denomination. No. Uh, uh, some sort of Christian pastor married us. Uh, and, and we had to do our vows twice and, uh, cause he had vows for us and then we had written our own and, and, uh, we were going to say them one way or another. And, uh, and then Elvis sang a couple of songs and that's amazing. That's and, like... and, and the chapel is also right next to, uh, the, the pawn shop from, yeah. uh, from, uh, Pawn Stars? Pawn Stars. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think made my mom more excited than uh, than elvis uh, did so <laughs> so john you've had a very uh, storied and exciting life i think it's been pretty fantastic uh i i would uh, i would agree it's 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 been a good one so far so it's not over yet yeah well thank you so much thanks john thanks. I just wanted to thank CFCR FM here in Saskatoon for letting us use their studio to record these podcasts. You can find CFCR at cfcr.ca. I'm sure they would be very grateful for any sort of donation you would like to make. Um, And there's also lots of great community programming for you to listen to online as well as on your oldie timey radio. So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at YWGTBF. If you have a story about your journey to get to wherever you are right now, or just a story about what you wanted to be when you were a kid, or anything you think Jenny and I would like to read and or read on in a future episode of the podcast, you can email us at youweregoingtobefantastic at gmail.com. My name is Anne Foster. For me and Jenny Ryan, we'll talk to you next time. What will be, will be. What will be.